Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show, Euro 2020. This is episode number six. The Euros are here and fully underway. The uh, The group stage is nearly over and uh, we've got lots to talk about. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, the show's available as usual, live Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, your home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. 
And uh, you can get the audio versions at all the usual podcast platforms. Just search Ace Podcast Nation and uh, you'll find well over 450 shows on all sorts of subjects. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, please, and uh, click the bell for notifications. Also, give all our social medias a follow, various ones. And uh, if you want to keep it football, follow at AC Footy Show as ever. But uh, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports. global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world for more information you visit their social media pages and their website links to which are in the description below and the closing credits excuse me today's sponsor is as ever bespoke financial and darren ralston and darren's giving away a free will with 140 pounds cash with every policy which is taken out just check him out check out the offer give him a call Tell him that we sent you and get in on what's an incredible offer. He's looked after Andy with various policies over the years, including the critical illness and the injury cover. And uh, they are top of their field and they do provide award-winning service. We're proud to partner with such a top-class brand and we thank them for sponsoring the show. But uh, let's get on with it. Introducing, as ever, my co-host, the Goal Collector, former England under 21 striker, ex Cardiff City in Middlesbrough. He is Mr. Andy Campbell. How are you, my friend? Good evening. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more relaxed than I was uh, probably this time yesterday. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's turned into a into a cracking tournament um, with loads, loads more to come. I think there's some amazing games on tonight um, alone. You know what I mean? So, and then we've got a little bit of a break, which I won't know what to do with myself uh, for that for a couple of days. But then, uh, but then we hit it with some. Um, some massive games of football. But yeah, loads to talk about for the last couple of years alone, I think. 100%, mate. Lots and lots to talk about. Um, Rodri's been delayed. Hopefully, hopefully he's going to still join us. Um, but uh, that's the plan. We'll see how we go. Welcome to everyone, as usual, all the regulars in the live chat. Um, so before we go on to, um, you know, we're going to talk England, of course, mate. Um, I want to talk about, about Scotland because um, there's a few things that I kind of want to talk about. First and foremost... The, the first game against the Czech Republic, that's where they've gone out. That's where they've let themselves down. They missed a host of chances. They didn't play very well. Um, they conceded a really sloppy first goal. And obviously the second goal is world-class, but they missed a lot of chances. They just weren't at it. Um, and that's cost them because they should have should have won that game. They, um, the, even playing badly, they should have won that game. And uh, that's what's cost them in the end because, as I said before the tournament, mate, I always felt Scotland were capable of pinching a point against England in a one-off game because of the you know it's a derby, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But going to Croatia or playing Croatia and having to win was always going to be a tall order, even though Croatia are an aging team. The two old men of the that team are exceptional footballers, as proven last night with the uh, Modric and Perisic. Superb, superb, but. Say. Yeah, listen. I, I, th- I think um, probably one gripe I've got is is why weren't the performance levels and the tactics the same in all three games? Because if there were, I think they would have comfortably gone through. Um, I think the tactics against England were spot on. I don't know why they didn't use the same tactics yesterday. Because for me, I don't think they have to really go gung ho. I think they just have to stay in the game as long as possible. I think that the defenders a group, defenders a unit, and I've seen loads. I didn't see gaps against England. And those gaps got exploited big time by, uh, by some, like you said, some some really good footballers and technically very good footballers. And I think the regret from probably the coaching staff, the managers, and probably the players will be 
the consistency of the, of the performances and the, and, the, and the tactics probably of all three games because you take that England game out, they've had a really, really bad tournament. But if you add the England game in, they've still underachieved in my eyes because they should have got out of it. You know what I mean? Because Czech Republic, probably the worst team in the group on paper, but they've massively achieved and they've gone through. Um, Croatia, for me, I, I haven't been very impressed with them at all, but they've, they've got out of it, smelling the roses a little bit because of a final, final performance. You know what I mean? Because it could have gone either way. If Scotland had pulled out a performance like they did against England, I think they'd have blown them away. But it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And if that's because it wasn't a derby, if that was because it wasn't uh, the, the hostile atmosphere, like it, it was drummed up at Wembley, and it wasn't that kind of, it, it didn't mean as much. For me, it means just the same. It means exactly the same. If you're playing Denmark, if you're playing Azerbaijan, if you're playing Croatia, if you're playing England in a European tournament, you've got to treat every game the same. And unfortunately, it looks like they didn't from an outsider looking in. And, and, uh, and obviously, I think that's cost them a little bit in the end. Yeah, 100%, mate. And I think um, you're right about Croatia. They haven't pulled up any trees. But what they did show in the second half, particularly against Scotland yesterday, is that they've got good enough players to, to create some real quality moments. And in a knockout tournament, which is effectively what it is now, those players are what can be the difference between going through and you know being out. Um, I totally agree. I think as well... It's going to be... Go on. I think as well when I when I when I when I say agent squad, I mean that with the, Croatia used to attack at pace. They used to attack in numbers. What I saw yesterday against Scotland, because I watched I watched the I watched the extended highlights last night, and what I was impressed with Croatia in the last 20, 30 minutes is the way they kept the ball. They kept the ball so well, and Scotland didn't get anywhere near them. And then because they had to come out and they're getting picked off, that's when the chances start to come. You know, what I mean, you've seen the goals, the centre forward holding up laying off with, with Modric's goal. You know, what I mean, the, the the chances which they're getting corners from. The set the third goal came from the corner. You know, I mean, everything everything started with keeping the ball and dragging them out of an area, and it was so important that they, that they did that. Croatia keep the ball really well because they're technically very good. They keep the ball mm. like the Spanish and the Italians, and that's what got them through yesterday. They didn't do that again against the English. They didn't really do it against the Czechs, but they've done it when they needed to do it in the important game. So they, they but they've got the big game players. So why shouldn't they do it? Because listen, it's, if Croatia hadn't have turned up in three games, they yeah, would have been massive inquiry. Do you think uh, my memory is not the best, as you know? But I, if memory serves me correctly, when England played Croatia in the last World Cup, um, in the semi final, was it? They um, didn't Croatia yeah. do something similar that, that day? They kept the ball yeah. exceptionally well. And, yeah. you know, generally European teams do that very well and they play yeah. possession football very well. And we'll see that tonight with these games because that group is uh, whew, really hotting up with all four teams capable of uh, going through and whatnot, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, in terms of Scotland, I, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, I would have liked to have, to have gone through, but I also saw a very big change on social media. So, like, before yesterday, I would say probably 80% of my timeline English media, English people, ex-footballers, whatever it may be, were kind of behind. They, everyone wanted all the home nation teams to get through the group stage. Yeah. But what I saw yesterday was a big change. And even, like I'm sure you won't mind me saying, like even yesterday, you were kind of less behind Scotland than you had been previously as we were watching the games, just purely because the, the, the whole COVID thing left a real bit of taste because England ended up with these two players not able to play yet. Somehow the whole Scotland squad was able to play. It was a real weird thing. And then that is compounded then when you hear that all the big wigs and the sponsors and the executives have got like a big um, 
what's the word? They basically they don't have to quarantine Ex and they can exempt, come over. They, yeah, got an exemption. exemption like, yeah, there's no there's no exemption to this to this disease, this illness, this no um, whatever is you know what I mean. This this is not exempt to any person. You know what I mean? Because if it is, then then Gilmore should have played. You know what I mean? And he wasn't yeah. allowed to play. So if he's not allowed to play, and listen, I'm not wanting, you know I mean, for me, if the whole squad had to isolate, then they can't play the game. And if they can't play yeah. the game, they play it in 10 days' time, and the, the whole thing's got to go on hold, because that's just got to happen. Because for me, those players flew in an aeroplane together back to Scotland. Those players yeah. eat together. Those players get changed together. Those players socialise together out in a hotel. Those players train together. Those players potentially share rooms together. I don't, you know what I mean? But so, you know what I mean? For, for those two English players to be reprimanded because they, they, they give him a cuddle, I just think it was a bit, a bit. Well, I think silly, it was because they spent um, they spent twenty five minutes after the game talking because they had obviously teammates and whatnot, which is is what it is. But it's, there's no consistency to it, and like the thing for me is is like well, you've got all these restrictions on your day to day life. Like you either need those restrictions because everything's as bad as it is, or you don't. And these people yeah. from UEFA and sponsors can come in. And they don't have to quarantine. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're able to create their own bubble. Well, hang on. That's mm. what all these football teams are supposed to be doing: is creating their own bubbles mm. and being tested every day, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Very frustrating, mate. And I it just makes think it dangerous. It makes it dangerous it makes, for me, side because it's, it it's, shambles, it's coming. Mate. But it's coming into the UK because the final, the semi-finals are in the UK. So yeah. all the UEFA, but you know why? Um, you? FIFA, but everyone's going to come here. So if they're going to come you know here, what? In, in, said, it's going to be rife. Yeah. It's because UEFA said if they didn't give them the exemption, they would move the final to the Hungry Stadium, which tells you everything you need to know about mm. like UEFA and, and whatnot. And, you know, I don't want to spend too long on this, but I do feel I did see a different um, in the social media opinion. But I think it's important to also remember that that decision wasn't even made by UEFA, it was made by the health board or whatever. So it's it wasn't the Scotland players' fault. It wasn't no, Scotland's fault. No, no, fault. no one's fault. And, and, and no, but no I think it was actually... just indicative of like an overall yeah. frustration with how it was dealt with and the result of it. It's a consistency for me. There's got to be consistency and there's got to be consistency within football, out of football, with, with, with everybody because and without that consistency what chance have we got to move forward and, and, and move on and, and to touch on your point the Hungry Stadium for me, I looked at the atmosphere in the Hungry game. Um, it, it was it was immense. You know what I mean. So, are we going to get that those kind of moments at Wembley for the semi final? Apparently, allowed sixty thousand for the final. Allowed a, few, allowed a few more. I hope so because it would make things a lot better moving forward. It would be a great atmosphere for the final. If if a whole, one of the home nations could be, that'd be absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, just from a Welsh point of view, I'm very disappointed that we've predominantly had to go through this tournament with little to no fans supporting the team in the stadiums because of the way things panned out and whatnot. And again, against Denmark, there'll be no Welsh fans there. And when you think back to Euro 2016, how important and that relationship between the Welsh fans and the Welsh team, like that got them through, like the Northern Ireland game particularly springs to mind when they won 1-0. Like that, those tight games is where it makes a difference. Um and it's, yeah, it's just the whole thing's a bit shambolic. Um, Cage, to answer your question, I forgot that I had this top on. Um, and because I obviously have a green screen, this part of my shirt is green. And it's the same like color it. as my green I'm screen. I, I, you know, so I'm it's just mesmerized like, by it. Mesmerized by it's it. Andy. It's that by there is like, it's, uh, so this bit is like Andy's leg from behind me, basically. Yeah, and if I move across, it's like the stick, got the 
<laughs> the, tro- the trophy, and if I go that way, I've got my leg. I apologise. Uh, I won't wear this top again. It is. Don't apologise. Don't apologise. Don't apologise. To, to go to go on, to go on to your point, um, and I mentioned it last show on um, Monday. How important back in your country is, and Welsh fans back in their country is massive. Having their fans there is massive for the players. It always has been. It always will be. You know what I mean? I, playing for Cardiff, you know what I mean? I know how much and how important it was to have your fans there and how important Swansea fans are for the Swansea players. Welsh football is so different. It's so different because they're so passionate about their country and about their teams. You know what I mean? They're far more passionate. Um, apart from the odd, the odd teams around the country, but, and, I can, I can, and I can vouch for that firsthand. You know what I mean? Welsh fans are far more passionate um, than England fans are. You know what I mean? England fans yeah. are very negative. England fans are, um, get the hopes up a little bit. England fans can be a little bit um, a, a little bit deluded at times, but then a little bit, and then far too negative for the other times. But Welsh fans, they get by, they get behind their team every single tournament, and that's something that I, I, I adore. I think it's absolutely amazing because it, it makes it, and I, I'm gutted because there's going to be no fans there at the weekend. I'm gutted that there hasn't been any because the results and where they've gone, you've seen the celebrations against, uh, against, against Italy, against Turkey, and it was, yes, they were amazing. But how, how amazing would they have been if there was 10, 15, 20,000 there? Because the w- people would have followed. And yeah, Donna just made a great point. Um, Denmark are not only allowed fans when Wales aren't, but they're actually allowed more fans in the stadium now because the Welsh can't go to Amsterdam. And I find that incredibly frustrating. Like me and you have talked over text like about this tournament and the way it's been set up. And it doesn't feel as if it's a level playing field. And I get that you always have a host country, but by having several host countries, it's really loaded the dice against other teams. If that, yeah, you know what I mean? I totally agree. Listen, it's it's it's, it's favoured heavily towards certain nations and certain countries, and um, I'm confused why certain countries have well, got. What I can got. answer that. I can answer that now because I found out today. So uh, the reason why it was initially supposed to be spread across all these different countries around Europe is because it's the uh, anniversary, 50th anniversary, I think, or whatever, you know, some sort of anniversary, I think it's the 50th of the Euros. So Michel Platini came up with, in all his wisdom, of having it spread across Europe, which when you can have fans flying in and being there and part of it, that's actually, I quite like that idea as a one-off to celebrate the tournament because um, it is a special tournament. But the second there was going to be restrictions because of COVID, I believe then it should have been moved to one country, or even you could say to the UK, where you could have Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland. There's enough room around the whole of the UK to facilitate all those teams stay in for the duration of the tournament. And I just, I find it and. I don't know. So I'll, a lot of people I'll saying go, corruption. I just think it's. I'll go one. Well, I'll go one step care. further. I, 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 with what you just said, there's a great idea. By the way, I'm, I'm I'm all for an idea like that, but I think it should have been thought of a little bit better. So of course it should have. Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan. You know what I mean? I, I, listen, if you're talking anyway, about man. France, France can get to England very easily. You've got planes. You've got you've got ferries. You've got the tunnel. Um, Spain can drive into Portugal. You can go on trains, you can go on planes, whatever. You can go on the car, you can go on the bus. You know what I mean? For me, it's got to be countries where it's easy, accessible for supporters. You know what I mean? So you can spread people around. You could have those kind of countries are big enough to have people in different areas and stay in those kind of areas. You know what I mean? With the amount of stadiums they've got and 
Um, for me, I think it could have been done a little bit better, um, spread around two, three, four countries, but easy access to those three or four yeah. countries, and and it would have been uh, it would have been a lot more fun. It would have been less travelling. It would have been cheaper for supporters, by the way. You know what I mean? Let's be honest, because if you're a Welsh fan and you've gone from Wales to Azerbaijan and then you've gone to Italy and now you've gone to Amsterdam, that that that, that that's a lot of expense, by the way. You know what I mean? And a lot, and, and yeah. a lot of to expect the supporters to 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 go. You know what I mean? It's not it's not fair in my eyes. How much does how much does like long distance travelling affect? players in terms of their fatigue and stuff like that like what was the longest trip you ever did for a match um well for a game uh we well we went on a trip to libya which was a strange one we, we went there but we acclimatized for two days before we played which it was probably only the second day that i did you know what i mean so it was it was it was nice to have that second day but if you're if you're having to train and you're having to recover from a game and you're having to do um, to do things like that, I think it can be very difficult because you've got to remember that your your legs are fatigued. You know what I mean. You you need your blood pumping around your body, and all of a sudden you're getting an, you're getting on an aeroplane. Yes, they'll have all the right leg wear. They'll have the footwear, and they'll have the um, uh, the, the, the the gear to help with the recovery. But I still don't think it's the point. You know what I mean. I think it's a lot to expect because you're jumping on a plane straight away. You know what I mean. You're jumping. On, it's different if you're just on a bus back to the hotel. You can recover. Yes, you might have to travel in three days to a to a game which is three hours away, yeah, but it's not three hours away, is it? You know, what I mean, you're going to a, you're going to a different country, uh, which it can be four or five hours away. You could you could go to yeah. a different time time zone. You know, you go to Russia. You know, you know because because Portugal, uh, sorry, Belgium and um, they, their group they've been they've been playing in Russia, so it's uh, it's difficult. It's I think it's I think it's difficult. So it's 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 a lot to expect, and I think a lot of fans have have not taken that into consideration. You know, I mean, England have been quite lucky. People said that it would have been best off England not winning. Yes, they might have got an easier game, but they're staying in England on on uh, on Tuesday. So for me, if you're playing, if you're going to play for England, you want to play in England. You want to play at Wembley because nobody wants to play at Wembley. Nobody wants to play no. against their nation and in their in their home stadium. No. So couple, I just wanted to address a couple of comments um, from the live chat. Uh, Gary said, "But the three home con- countries have all got different rules about how to react to COVID." My point, it wasn't necessarily to bring it to the UK. My point was to put it in one place. Or in the UK's point, like you've got all you know a few countries all together which can fall under kind of one banner or whatnot. Whereas you know if everyone was in France or everyone was in Azerbaijan or wherever, my point being that if you spread it the way they have, it's just causing untold amount of problems. Uh, Reese says if you think this is bad, wait until the World Cup in Qatar, December time. No alcohol. Women can't attend alone. No gays. Ten. Uh, tens of thousands dead used to slave labor, slave labor to build stadiums. Absolute disgrace, and that just reflects again on FIFA and UEFA. I think yeah. in general. Well, to to uh, uh, to answer the COVID point, um, yes, UK have got different rules, but then so, so the country. Europe. You know what I mean? So so, so of Europe. So uh, look at Hungary, um, look at England, look at Amsterdam, uh, look at Baku. Everyone's got a different way of looking at it and a different way of treating it. Um, Denmark. So, I think it's it's a bit of a mess, and as long as as long as we're enjoying it like we are, um, for me, get it finished and then look and see was it was it a positive? Um, I think the tournament as a whole has been positive. Um, I think now we're finding a few grey areas which I think we can improve on a little bit. But um, as long as England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and the Republic of Ireland make the make the World Cup in guitar, I'll be I'll be happy because I think it'll be amazing because our show will be immense if we have all them five in it. 
Yeah, it'd be good to be superb, mate. Um, and question from Gaz, he says, do you fancy Wales and England to go through? Yes, I do. Um, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of both. Um, I'd, uh, I, I think they've both got a really good chance to go through. And I think they've both, they both got very tough games. Whoever England play, they're going to get a tough game. Whoever will have got a very tough there's game. No game, game, game there's no easy game, though, is there? Like, if no, you look at the teams that are in it, there's no, there's no exactly. easy games. Um, we'll but, preview but those games through. properly on Friday. Um hmm. My put like with Wales, I Wales on their day can beat anyone, but on their day they can also, you know, lose. So this this uh, if the manager gets this tactics correct, etc., etc. But uh, on that and uh, and tactics and team selections, um, England played last night, mate. Um, it was an interesting team selection. Uh, Foden was out. You had Saka start, Grealish started, Harry Maguire was back in, who I thought was absolutely immense. By the way. Um, really shows what England have missed with him. Um, but equally, I asked you a question, didn't I, before when the team selection came out? And I said, do you think England managers, historically, not any one particular manager, are almost kneecapped by this? They're very kind of careful in their selections. You don't see a lot of risks. And I just feel like that's because I don't know whether it's because they fear that if they have a bad World Cup or a bad Euros, uh, they get scrutinised and they'll get sacked and, and you know, the media hype starts. But I do feel like when you've got the players available to you that they that England have and you have, that, like, to me, I want Foden and Grealish to be playing in midfield either side of Jordan Henderson or, um, I've forgotten his name, um, the do do by the superb game the other day, uh, Phillips. Phillips. Like the majority majority of teams which England come up against in this tournament, I believe they don't need two holding midfielders, so they could play one with Grealish and Foden either side, and then play two wide players either side of Harry Kane. However, if you come up against the you know the Belgians, the Frances, etc., then I can understand the need for the two holders. But as a football fan. I want to see Phil Foden and Jack Grealish play together. I want to see if they can combine and create magic. Do you know what I mean? And it, I just feel like sometimes England are too careful in their selections. Well, listen, I think uh, I think too much is scrutinised and a team, as in team selection. I don't think we back our mm. manager very well. Um, I think people are very quick to look at his team selection and jump on his throat straight away. You know, we full forward and was, yeah. was 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 on a yellow card, so I'm yeah, surprised he wasn't sub because because we might have needed him um, under control and we might have needed him during the game. So to not have him in the squad is is the manager's decision. Um, I thought he was very brave in putting Saka in, uh, but his decision and his braveness paid off because I thought the young lad was absolutely phenomenal. I thought when he got on the ball he was brave. When he got on the ball he was he was he was a threat. Um I was I was very impressed. I thought I thought Jack did okay in spells. Um I thought he I thought he, he showed he's, enough, he's, didn't he? He yeah, showed he enough. He's a, listen, he's the most foul player in the, in the world, I think, because he gets every time he gets the ball he's, he's targeted, he gets brought down, but his quality for the goal was immense. Um I, I've been very critical of Harry Kane. I thought Harry Kane last night was outstanding. Um, he didn't get his goal. He should have got his goal, um, and he'd be very disappointed he didn't get his goal. But I'm I'm all about effort. I'm all about enthusiasm. I'm all about I'm all about putting the team first. And last night Harry Kane put his his country first and really put a shift in. And I'm so glad that Gareth stuck by him now because 
yes, I probably didn't want him to play and didn't think he deserved to play, but he got a performance out and got a tune out of him last night. And he, now he deserves to. He deserves to play. And if Harry Kane doesn't score in this Euros, I'll be very surprised, which is a good thing for England because he's going to be a wounded animal going into the last 16. Um, I th- we, we spoke yesterday um, via text during the game and Harry Maguire, uh, listen, I know you're a... Uh, you're a huge fan, and you've and you've seen him more than I've seen him. But he, he, he when he comes out with the ball, he makes things happen. And people have a go at Harry because he's not technically very good. Because he's a he's a John Terry's type centre half who can who can head it, he can kick it, he can defend a proper proper box. But he can come out with the ball. His passing, his range of passing, his pass to Harry Kane was out of this world to send him through. And it was the weight of his pass, it was the angle of his pass. He, but he did it the second half. And and I'm talking about a player now who's who's missed a lot of games through injury, so he should have probably been a little bit more, I'm staying back here, I, I don't need, yeah. I, I just need to get through this game. He didn't just course through the game, he got through the game at the levels he's used to getting through at United, he's used to doing it, he pushed himself to his limit, the manager got a full night out of him, Jordan Henderson came on, I thought he was outstanding as well, and um, I said all along at the start, that if England won the first two games, you're going to get 90 minutes out of Harry, you're going to get some minutes out of um, Jordan Henderson, so I think the plan all along was to that for that game as long as you're yeah. through. And I think he got, he maybe he's got quite lucky with um, with how the how the game went. But I, th- I thought Jordan Pickford as well. Yeah, listen, he's if not he's in the top three, of the goalkeeper of the tournament so far. He's been absolutely amazing. He's handling, he's kicking, he saves. He's had three clean sheets on the belt. You know what I mean? He's at the minute he's um, he's got to be up there with uh, with the Italy goalkeepers and, and other goalkeepers because he's um, he's uh, an amazing tournament. Yeah, I think um, Jordan Pickford looks a much, much better goalkeeper for England than he does for Everton. I don't know why. He just does. He looks, his decision making is so much better. His footwork is better. His positioning, everything about, everything which I look at as a goal, like, because my boy's a goalie. So I'm so used to looking at like technical aspects of goalkeepers, which maybe like other people don't look at, but like I look at it and I, I watch him and, because I, he's been a liability for Everton in the last eighteen months. A lot. Is it a com- is it a confidence thing, side? Because I'll throw back here. Obviously, your experience with with goalkeepers. Is it a confidence thing that he looks he looks ahead of him and sees a, a back four who he believes in? And I'm not being disrespectful, Everton, but maybe he's he's looking at he's looking at a back four who who he knows are going to make a mistake. So he's going to be then he's going to be busy. He's probably been more busier now in the England side than I want him to be busy. But he hasn't busy, done anything. But he's good to be busy. Like no, when I he say he hasn't done anything, he hasn't been tested yet, has he? He made fully. a decent save yesterday. He made a decent save against Scotland, but not not as mm. busy as he is for Everton. For Everton I, see yeah. make, I see him make a mistake for Everton because he's having that many shots against him. He makes a mistake, yeah. which is. I don't think it's when you're busy, you're you've got more opportunity to make a mistake, haven't you? When you've got more like, shots. Well, I'd yeah. like to throw some in and back at you. Um, yeah. Harry Maguire gets so much stick from outside of United fans. If he played for, if he still played for Leicester City, or if he played for, I don't know, pick a, pick a team, not Man United, would people give him more credit? But because he plays for Man United, people automatically are kind of negative about him. Because to me, like, not, not many, I can't think, I can't even think of one. I'm sure if I thought of it with a bit of time, I could think of a couple, but not many defenders around Europe, bring the ball out and use it as well as he does in the way that he does. And I don't mean just being able to pass from the back. I mean, bringing it into the midfield, which opens up everything else for the rest of your team, for the midfielders, for the wide players, for the strikers to make runs. And that's what, I, yeah, I'm kind of interested in that because I don't really understand it. 
Well, listen, I, I, I think it's a, and, and for me, it's a match made in heaven with him playing like that alongside John Stones because both of them can play out from the back and both of them can get the full-backs forward, which then pushes <laughs> your wide men on, which pushes your midfield on, which pushes Harry Kane on. I saw a difference in Harry Kane yesterday because he's getting balls from the defenders and he's been able to get all of them because the, the balls are quality. And I'm not having to go at Tyrone Mings because Tyrone Mings, for me, has been outstanding during this tournament. I felt sorry that he didn't start because I think he probably deserved to start his continuation. But now Harry's came in, kept a clean sheet. He didn't make any mistakes. He, he looks fit. His ankle looks absolutely fine. The way that he played, more importantly, was 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 immense. Um, on and off the ball, he's defending, he's, 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 he's playing with the ball. I'm just uh, I'm amazed that someone can put a performance in of that high quality after missing so much time on the pitch with an injury. I just yeah. it just shows the testament, well, the attitude, the ability of of the player, and it's disrespectful by people to question that after well, seeing a, what he's just done. Here's an example: Gavin, Liverpool fan, says he's overrated, um, and then he uses Virgil Van Dijk as an excuse. Uh, as an, an excuse, uh, as an example of another <laughs> defender who does that, but I don't think Virgil Van Dijk, Virgil Van Dijk, by the way, in my opinion, is the best central defender in the world. However, I don't think he does the same thing in terms of bringing it out of the defence and into the midfield. If I had to pick between the two and who I wanted in my team, I'd probably go with Van Dijk, just because I think he's the better, probably just about the better defender. I don't think there's a great deal in it. I thought John Stones looked better with Harry Maguire in next to him rather yeah. than uh, Tyrone Mings. And that's not Tyrone Mings' fault. It's just that no, I think I agree. he felt more secure. I agree. But to answer your question, Si, well, you've just answered it yourself anyway. That what's, what's, what's their job? The two, the two names you mentioned, Harry Maguire, Virgil van Dijk, what's their job? Their job's to defend. So van Dijk's a better defender because he's got pace, he's got strength, he's got power, which helps as a defender. You know what I mean? If you're, hmm. if you're playing out from the back... Uh, um, I don't see Liverpool doing it. I see Liverpool playing out from the from the wide. I see Robertson. I see I see Trent. Um, I see them playing up from the midfield and further forward. I think Man United have always had it. You look at Rio. You know, Rio used to do it. Rio used to, used to come out. Used to yeah. play balls up to Rooney. Used to play balls up to Giggs. He used to play balls up to um, to Beckham. To to all over to Scholes to everybody to Van Nistelrooy. Man United have always had that kind of player. So it's it's difficult to it's difficult to compare. Two players who are who are who aren't similar. Yeah. Because they're playing the similar similar position, you can compare them as a defender. When they come out of the ball, they're not the same on the ball. You know what I mean? The, the, the ranges of passing aren't, aren't the same. The, the control's not the same. It's it's so difficult. It's so difficult because to call, comparing two footballers is is nigh on impossible. You can't compare yeah. Messi to Ronaldo. Of course, you because you can Ronaldo would goals. win every time, wouldn't he, Gav? Um, <laughs> no, but Gav, he just Gavin just said. So who he said? Okay, then who's the best defender in the Premier League? Well, I just said Virgil van Dijk's the best defender in the world. So, obviously, Luke Shaw is the best defender in the Premier League. Um, but ultimately, I thought Jude Bellingham did all right when he um, when he came on as well, mate. I thought he was... Uh, I think he's done well every time he's come on. Uh, I think Jude, Jude, Jude Bellingham has been... He's shown that he can make a difference later on yeah. in the tournament. Are you going to come back? Do, 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 do. Day five minutes in, and he's frozen for the first time. Ask some questions, then, guys. But um, on Friday, we'll be uh, we'll be previewing all the knockout games. Hundred percent, obviously, Wales play the weekend. Uh, but we'll be previewing all those games. We'll be joined by David Giles, and uh, 
we'll be also obviously talking about tonight's games as well. But um, just while we wait for Andy to re-emerge, um, what I would like you guys to do is send me your predictions for the games tonight. So we've got um, the group of death will be decided this evening. So send me send put your uh, your predictions in the chat. Who's who's going through? What do you think the scores are going to be going? Um, and Gav has actually just brought me to my next point there. He says, how is Jane Sancho not playing? And that was a puzzling one to me because I felt like last night's game was the perfect game to bring him in. And the what? well, I'm sure you could tell the people what I said to you. I think the reason is, but it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Hmm. Oh, listen, I, before the game, I, I, I was starting to think, you look at picking orders for me, and I think uh, I think Sancho was was your next in, in line. If if Foden wasn't going to play and Mount wasn't going to play for me, there was probably Sancho was your next your next bet, and then after that, I'd probably say Saka. Um, but then you judge now on on current perform performances. You know what I mean? And, and, and Saka did everything what the manager expected him to do. I, I feel I feel probably more sorry for Sancho that he didn't get an opportunity because that game could have been tailor made for him. He could have uh, he could have ripped the full back up. He could have he could have set England going. He could have scored a goal himself, he could have uh, he could have enlightened enlightened his tournament and his Euro and pushed himself close towards that move. But I believe there's something missing and I believe uh, we're never going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, but I believe that the manager's seeing something or not seeing something because of what's going on behind closed doors. There's a move imminent. You know what I mean? For me, I would have loved all business to be concluded before the Euros so players can just get yeah. on and play and that would have taken so much pressure away from everybody. And I'm not just talking about English players, by the way. Um, but there's a couple of high-profile moves happening. Um, and if they don't happen, it'll be, a, it'll be a disaster for the players, for the clubs, for, for yeah. the country as well. You know what I mean? But the dip high. Um, you've got other players. I just think it's wrong. It's wrong timing to put this kind of pressure on young, young players on shoulders. And, like, you know what I mean? But, Harry Kane but, but it, said I, I he wanted it done, didn't he? For a reason. Yeah. Like, he said he wanted his future sorted for a reason. Yeah. Jane Sancho has already been through all this last year with nearly signing for United, nearly signing for United. Nearly, he obviously wants to go there. They obviously want him. And it's kind of like, get it done or leave it until after the Euros, but yeah. don't keep dragging it out and booking medicals and whatever else. Because I don't think that's fair to the player. I don't think that's fair to the England management team and his teammates. And I don't think that's fair. And there's no no fault of Jane Sancho, by the way. I'm talking the people who were negotiating the deals. They should, I know it's got to go on, but there's got to be a way to like, I don't know, maybe stop transfers before the tournament. Or I it's difficult because the windows... For me, if, if, clubs, if clubs are all for it and national managers are all for it, they just change the transfer window for big signings, for Premier League signings and things and for people involved in the Euros that they... That their deadline for leaving and signing for clubs is this date, and it's got to be concluded by this date. So, if you're out of contract, because if, if you're an out of contract player, um, would you risk playing in the Euros and not having a club and getting injured and then being unemployed next season, or would you want your future resolved before the tournament so you can go there relaxed, knowing you've got a three-year, two-year contract, one-year contract at a new club, and you can plan ahead? Because are you going into a game thinking I can't get injured? You're thinking. I need to perform because I want a better contract. I want a better club. You shouldn't be putting that kind of pressure on yourself because, as you've seen with Harry Kane, it doesn't work and you put too much pressure on yourself. When you see it with other players, as Jadon Sancho, there's a reason why he's not playing and I believe that can be the only reason because 
as a footballer, his, his ability is undoubtable. Spot on, mate. 100%. Um, so just before we preview the games tonight, we had a couple of questions which I just wanted to quickly get to. Uh, where's it gone? Dowie, uh, he, see, he apologised and he said, I'm really, uh, he said, I'm sorry. Uh, it's uh, I know it's the Euros, but uh, I wanted your thoughts on Cardiff City's transfer business. Um, so I'll let, I'll let you quickly have your say on that, mate, seeing as he asked so nicely. Uh, well, obviously, Mehmet came on the show uh, and Mehmet said that he signed two other transfers off. Uh, we've had one of them. No, they, I think uh, they've signed two now as well. Um, oh, they've signed they two. Signed oh, someone else. Yeah, it was a, like a young, young guy, yeah. We've got a young lad who got released by Arsenal. Um, listen, next season's always going to be different to previous seasons. We've lost players um, because oh, of by the way, Robert Glatzel has left for five and a half million. Yeah. That's that's positive. That's positive news in terms of getting money at the club. Are they going to be able Good to utilize that money? Right, good signing for him. I think he. I think he's probably just, just needed to go back to Germany. I'll be honest, and needed needed a fresh start. He hasn't played enough football. He's been on loan. Um, I think. I still think. I still think there's going to be moves for Cardiff. I think. Uh, I think once the Euros is done, um, I think. Obviously. Mehmet spoke about Harry Wilson um, wanting to get him back, or Joe wanting to get them back. These kind of players will wait. They'll go back to the pre-season with their clubs. They'll probably give it a week to see who they're training with, to see what levels they're playing at, which who, are they playing in the in, in the right team that they think they're going at, um, and then they'll they'll go and have a season alone again because the, these these players need to play and have a, have a platform to play. You've got to play football at their age. Harry Wilson would never have gotten the Wales squad being at Liverpool's been at Liverpool this season because he wouldn't have played enough games to get himself in you know what I mean so yeah 100% um, so I I, I misread it because obviously I'm trying to read it and talk but um, Glatzel cost oh. us five and a half million he was sold for 450 grand oh. which as usual Cardiff, Cardiff buy That's players for bucks and selling for nothing um, yeah. so we've signed uh, Mark McGuinness haven't we uh, and yeah. also um, they've about to announce the signing of England youth goalkeeper Rohan Luthara from Crystal Palace, apparently. Yeah, um, but Mark, Mark comes highly recommended. I think he had a loan spell yes, at Ipswich Town. Indeed. You know what I mean? So he's, you know what I mean? He's, he's been in League One. He's played for a big football club. Ipswich Town used to be in the Premier League, so he's he's played at a big club. He needs to go and push it, push his career on. And you know I mean, for me, if that's if that's the kind of players that Mick wants to work with, and push on and, and, and help progress their career, then you know what I mean. The club, listen, the club still got the nucleus of the squad. This club, the club still got a good squad. Um, and for me. And I know people always will back the club. You know, I mean, the club always backs them regardless of who's on the who's on the pitch. And I just think I'd like a couple more signings to to help and push the push the players over the and line. They've signed uh, Ryan Winty as well from Crew. Sorry, mate, I'm catching up on him. That's no, right. Take um, uh, take the pressure off. Um, take the pressure off uh, Kiefer Moore. I'd like another centre forward bringing in. Yeah, well, I admit, maybe um, maybe, maybe someone 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 different though, not a similar player. I don't want like for like. Yeah, I think they need some quick. You know what I mean, I want someone pace. to play with him if they ever need to. Um, I know they've got uh, they've got Waters and they've got other players, but I know Harris has signed a new deal. Um, I just like just fresh faces. Competition for places is healthy. It's healthy for players, healthy for clubs. It's great for fans. And when fans are allowed back in stadiums next season, fingers crossed, we can uh, we can all have a party. I will not be happy until the transfer window is closed and Kiefer Moore is still signed to Cardiff City because. Uh, someone made a good point. I don't know who it was. Who said if we're willing to take a five million loss on Glatzel, that probably means means that Cardiff are looking to bring in some money to sign players, 
which makes me wonder if someone comes in with a £10 million bid, Kiefer Moore, will we accept it? Which is worrying because yeah, yeah, it is. James, as I said at the time, I think James Collins is a great sign-in as backup to Kiefer Moore to take the pressure off him to rotate. If he was the replacement for Kiefer Moore, I think that's a bit of a downgrade. And not in disrespectful way to James Collins. I mean that purely in how good Kiefer Moore has been with his all-round foot. Like he's, he surprised me, mate. You know what I said when he signed, and I'm not. You know, I don't try and pretend that I said something different. He uh, when he signed, I didn't think he was needed, um, but he was superb. His touch impressed me. I was surprised at how good he was with the football on the floor. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm interested. I've never seen a player. I've never seen a player work so hard. I've never seen a player who can lead the line and play up front on his own like that. And I mean, I mean, he doesn't need anyone else near him. And that's the that's probably the dangerous thing. And that's probably the thing what makes him um, excitable and available to other other clubs, which is a dangerous dangerous thing. And if he's doing it on the world stage as well, then the whole world is looking at him, not just the Premier League teams, which is a which is pretty uh, pretty dangerous. Yeah, spot on. Right, not a championship show. So no. It's, that was well. That was, I, was, I, was, I was talking Wales. I was talking Wales. Yeah, we were talking Kiefer Moore, who's obviously a Wales star. Um, right, let's preview and predict. Germany hungry, mate. How do you see that game going? Um, obviously, I didn't know where the game was game was getting played because obviously Hungary had played both games um, at home. Germany played both games at home, so it's only fair that that game's played in a neutral ground in Germany. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I, if it was in Hungary, I think Hungary would have a great chance with all those supporters there because those supporters made the difference against France. They made the difference against Portugal, even though they got beat heavily in the end. Um, I can't see Germany slipping this. Now, after after getting ahead against Portugal and giving themselves an opportunity to, to progress, they need a point, but I think they'll get all three. So, for me, Germany, I, I believe, will do that because I believe that France was the hard, you know, that was a really tough game for them. They weren't quite firing and they weren't quite at it. Since then, they've been typical German team in tournaments, professional, um, composed, calm. They played some good football as well. Um, and I was just, I was genuinely uh, impressed against Portugal. I thought they played some lovely stuff. But I was extremely impressed with Hungary against uh, France. I thought defensively they looked really solid and I thought going forward they looked dangerous. They had a few players who could cause some problems. So if Germany are not at it, which I didn't think they were against France, as good as France were, I thought Germany were not at it. Hungary, you know, they've got to win one game of football basically or even a draw might be enough. But no, a draw won't be well because they lost. No, so, hungry, no. Yeah, they need a win and when a team needs a win, you just never know. But... um I think it'll be 3-2 to Germany. I do think Hungary are going to give them a bit of a scare, but I think they'll have too much. Um, and then we've got Portugal-France, mate, as well. Oh, this, this, listen, this could be the final. This, this is how big this game is. This is a, a huge game of football. Um, if, we, if we're all aware of, of league tables, um, a heavy defeat for Portugal this evening could see them go out of the tournament, um, which would be a scary thought uh, for the players that they've got there, for Ronaldo, etc. But a win... Just opens opens a whole can of worms up for everybody else. It's uh, it's God, it's yeah. intriguing. Um, it's intriguing. But, uh, I'm not going to sit on the fence. Um, I believe France. Uh, I don't know the teams by the way, uh, but I can't believe either either is going to go um, weak or are they going to try and have the best possible outcome? 
Um, I'm going France. I think France have just got the squad, the players, the 11. Um, listen, the Jew were hungry, but for me, they were far superior. They missed some ridiculous chances through Benzema. Um, he's probably due a goal as well, by the way. So um, I think he'll score as well tonight. I think Benzema will score and um, France will win. Yeah, um, look. Um, um, sorry. So Ronaldo's well on course. If Portugal go to the sort of semi-final stage, he's well on course to get the golden boot. And you better believe that he wants that if he's, this is his final tournament. Um, I said to you, about an hour or so ago that um, I'd heard on the radio and I'd heard around the grapevine that uh, Portugal were going to drop Bruno Fernandes or Bernardo Silva. Bruno Fernandes was looking like the one who they were going to drop and they were going to go super defensive. Um, They have dropped Bruno Fernandes, um, but they've gone with uh, Danilo, uh, Joao Martinho in midfield, which is obviously defensive. But then they've also got Renato Sanchez, which is not defensive. So they haven't gone there. So in Portugal and social media, Portuguese, Portuguese media, they were all basically joking that it was going to be sort of 10 defenders and then Ronaldo up front because they were just going to try and, you know, play for a draw, but they haven't gone with that. They got Jota, Bernardo Silva alongside Ronaldo, but Portugal's one weakness for me is central, central defense. Never rated Pepe. I think he's a liability both with the football and also with his temperament. I could see France pulling out quite a comfortable victory today, maybe 2-0. Um, but it's going to be very interesting. Um, and that's kind of wrapping us up towards it. So if you've got any questions, get them in now. Um, Gaz did ask a question, um, which I can't really, can't really discuss at the moment, but he says, um, what was the meeting that you were talking about Monday, Sai? So um, hopefully we'll have some news on that later this week. Um, it's it's nothing which is going to change anything, but it will hopefully improve some things But uh, for us. But we'll see how things pan out. I think that's about all I can say, Andy. Let's change the subject before I say something I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, listen, I think uh, I think tonight is a fitting way to finish the group stages. I think it's um, it's a phenomenal couple of games of football. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be two screens on trying to watch both games. It's going to be it's going to be exciting. I think obviously with England finding their 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 opponents for the next round makes it even more exciting for me because it could be. Um, it could be a disaster, or it could be it could be a little bit easier. Um, you know what I mean? I, I'm not, I, I think if I was an England fan and I'm playing at home at Wembley against somebody, right now I don't want to play France. You know what I mean? So I don't want to play them. They're probably the one I don't want to play. Oh, the other two. Um, so who do it? You know England, I mean? get, England get the team which finishes second in this group, do they? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but so by right, fingers right crossed now, for Hungary then, mate. Is it? If uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but. Um, yeah, as that can happen. Though. Hungary can finish second, can't they? Yeah, if Hungary beats if Hungary beat Germany, they go on to four points, and and mm. France beat Portugal. Yeah. So, that's mate, that's I, I, uh, I could see the Portugal France game being like, um, but that's literally a draw. like six that's a draw, or something. Yeah, if that's a draw, then I could see loads of goals in our mid. Then Portugal will uh, Portugal will play England, which um, which Ronaldo will probably enjoy. Um, and a few of the players will probably enjoy as well because that's that's probably all set up for for that kind of game because of the players that are involved. But 
Um, let's see. Listen, whoever whoever's going to be, it's going to it's going to be an, an amazing outcome. But for me, football's the winner, and football's the winner because of the players that are on show tonight. Because on both games live, you're going to get some world class footballers. And hopefully, loads um, of goals. Indeed, mate. Just very quickly, um, Will said earlier, um, George Ratcliffe is a youth team goalkeeper for Cardiff City. Uh, he's a future star, and. Um, do you really want to block his path by signing Rowan Luthara from Palace, who's also a tipped to be a youth, uh, you know, prospect? What do you say about that, mate? To finish us off, it's hard. It's difficult, isn't it? Because uh, what Cardiff City don't want to do is is give up an opportunity to sign players who become available, and players come available at Premier League clubs, young players, because their pathway is stopped by. Um, full international goalkeepers which they don't have they don't see a, a pathway for themselves so then to drop into the championship and, and see a better pathway and an opportunity to play um, I do feel really, ba- feel really bad for, for players who get stopped at a certain level so they can't progress because of because of competition for places but there's that many footballers going to be out of a job this year it's going to be quite scary because of uh, because of budgets and because of clubs going with smaller squads and stuff so it's um, I think for Cardiff City, just it's not whoever's the best goalkeeper out of those two will be the one who's pushed on. So for me, it's yeah. healthy competition, but the best one will will come through. Spot on, mate. Um, guys, thanks to everyone who's joined us, downloaded, and everything watched and everything afterwards. Really appreciate it. Please do subscribe and follow and all that good stuff. Most of all, spread the word. And um, apologies on that, the Rodri front. Unfortunately, he was held up, but uh, he should be back next Wednesday with us. Jido will be with us on Friday. And um, join us 7 o'clock Friday to take a deep dive into the knockout stages of the Euros. Until then, we bid you farewell and uh, enjoy the football this evening as the group of death comes to a head. Come on, hungry.
Social Podcast Network.